Hi, Bill. How are you doing today? Hey, Robin. I'm doing good. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Unlike right. those unfortunate folks with those Barracuda email gateways that have been oh. told to replace, or those fortunate customers who are catching fire with exploit after exploit, you know, my life is pretty calm, cool, and collected in comparison. True. Hey, listen, we live in a world of frenemies. We hate to see anybody suffer and mm -hmm. it's a shame. But when you get to a point where somebody tells you that in order to be safe, you literally need to swap out the appliance, you really got to start questioning the model at that point. Indeed. Indeed. Now, honestly, in the world of tech and software, this can happen to anybody. Sure but the, the important thing is you have the architecture to overcome it, you have your business contingency plan, you know how to resolve it, and ideally have a vendor that doesn't really back you into the corner of having to replace boxes. But right. I feel bad for all those security professionals out there that are losing nights, that are having arguments with their C-level execs trying to explain exactly what's going on, and are actually caught in the middle of this. As you know, right. all breaches and vulnerabilities, they're no fault of the actual implementers. It's generally third parties causing problems. It is. And Robin, we could just try to chalk it up to patching, and that certainly does play a role here. But this is this is pretty significant, especially when they're telling you to take appliances out. That that model is a, it's a difficult model, not only from the perspective of trying to scale and trying to patch and trying to manage, but when you run into something like this, you've got a capital investment that frankly you you've just about lost right at that point. So Indeed. we really need to need to rethink that a little bit and how do we enable security teams to do what they do absolutely so on the topic of enablement what yes. could you enable me with today well Rowan, i want to talk a little bit about something that is hitting the news even though it was old some new information has come to light so we got some information this past saturday from reddit I imagine you're okay. probably Reddit, Robin. Uh, I am. Uh, if you look at my phone battery percentage, Reddit is kind of right up there next to the authenticators. Of so course. What, what's happened with Reddit? Well, Reddit announced that uh, they finally have determined who the threat actor was behind the breach that they announced back in February. So this was quite some time ago. This was in February, on February 5th, I believe it was, that they announced that a threat actor had breached. Well, now they've announced that it is black cat. So mm -hmm. cat is out of the proverbial bag, so to speak. But apparently black cat made away with around 80 gigabytes of data. And Reddit shares that it was made up of, of several different elements. There was some code that was stolen, mm -hmm. some personally identifiable information of Reddit employees, as well as a little bit of non-essential advertising data. But here's the kicker, Robin. Black Cat is asking for $4.5 million in ransom to prevent that data from being revealed. And they're, they're motivated in multiple ways, certainly for the financial aspects. But Black Cat is not happy about some of the things that Reddit is doing around their APIs now and requiring payment for some of that. So the threat mm -hmm. actor has apparently tried to contact Reddit multiple times. They tried to reach him in April and Reddit ignored him. Then they reached him again on June 16th. Now Reddit has come forward and said, these are the ones that are that are responsible for it. Wow, wow. This, <laughs> this is awful for Reddit. I mean, at the moment, their community is in turmoil based around those API changes. Sure. Now, safe for work subreddits have now turned to non-safe work subreddits, so they can't put advertiser data. There was the recent subreddit blackout where everybody decided to start making their 
subs private and not allowing people to access. So Correct. having this happen from the user community standpoint, plus the threat actors trying to extort Reddit, they're very much in a lobster pinch position right now. That's a great way to describe it. And mm. the, the position is not only from the user community, which certainly there's going to need to be some work around there, but here we are in a situation where ransom is being demanded for 80 gig. Now we may say 80 gig is not a lot of not data, but it's amazing what you can actually exfiltrate inside of 80 gig of data. We, we can't forget that. And there's always the sensitivity of exposure, let alone the loss of reputation, which you can argue is already beginning to happen. But Robin, I, I really think more than just the simple aspect of we've identified the threat actor, we've identified what their demands are. And to date, Reddit has said that they've seen no evidence that any of that that data has been published. So, so far, so good, right? The, the data has not been published, but it really, it kind of raises two big philosophical questions. And I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about that today. The first philosophical question that it raises is ransomware and whether an organization should pay to, to prevent that data from being, uh, you know, extorted multiple ways, whether it's, you know, opening up the encryption, whether it's revealing that data online, or even a, a third extortion, which is typically reaching out to the end customer and asking them to pay to, to not have their particular portion of data revealed. But, you know, I, I'll kind of open it up a little bit, Robin, and take a position. I, I, I'll take a position that says that you should not pay ransom. And here's my my first reason why I think you should not. And then I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. But, you know, there is no guarantee that by paying the ransom, the threat actor is going to do or not do what they say they're going to do or not do. Even if you try to arrange a broker in the middle, and I know a lot of times mm -hmm. threat actors will, will do that to try to add a sense of credibility you you still have no guarantee. So that, I, I say that's one reason for not paying ransom. What is your thought on that? Should should you pay ransom? Is, do, you, do you not do it? Is there something in between? What do you think? I always say to not pay ransom. Now, to think of it like a schoolyard. If a bully comes and tries to steal your lunch money and you give yeah. it your lunch money, what are they going to do tomorrow? They're going to see you as a target. They're going to see you as a way to continually extorting that data because right. they still have your information. Once you pay, true. the information doesn't delete itself. They could still then continue to trickle money out of you. And whilst it's very difficult, and whilst you might think that, yes, I need to pay to get the, the data back, or I need to pay to get a decryption key, it leaves yourself in a very vulnerable position. Because once yeah. one party sees that you're going to pay, other threat actor groups will swarm in because they know you're vulnerable. They know that you are willing to give cash. And it just expounds the problem. Is expounds a word? I'm going to expands the problem. Yeah, let's pretend that. Yeah, and I think you're right. I, I think that's that's probably argument number two that I would make as well, is you instantly mark yourself as a victim. Mm -hmm. And we can't lose sight of the fact that even if you do pay the ransom because you had to, number one, not only do you mark yourself as a victim, even though the, the threat actor may act in good faith, right? You pay it, they give you the keys, they tell you they've, they've deleted the data. First of all, you have no way of verifying that. Second of all, you've now marked yourself as a victim. But the, I think the third thing that you've got to realize is that subsequent attacks that may come and may be successful, at that point, your reputation is almost beyond recovery. 
we understand that people, uh, organizations are at risk of being compromised. We, we, we almost look at it as a, a matter of it being a when, not an if. Mm-hmm. So we get that. But if it begins to happen multiple times, at some point, your your customer base is going to flee, let alone the fact that you're now charging for your API. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that's, I, I think we're probably on the same page. Second one I would ask you though, and we have to go back to what happened in February. So when Reddit saw that there was a threat actor in the environment that was exfiltrating data, they immediately cut the threat actor out. Mm-hmm. But History tells us that between the time of February and April, Reddit really didn't know who it was until the threat actor contacted them and began the demands for ransom. So it it raises an interesting question. One of the things, one of the techniques that we tend to utilize within cybersecurity is the concept of honeypots and honey nets. Now, we may think of them as a deterrent, in other words, the threat actor gets so busy attacking something that really means nothing that mm-hmm. uh, that, that they don't go for the real good stuff. That, that certainly is one aspect of it. I think intelligent blue teams, so to speak, also have another motivation behind doing honeypots and honey nets, and that is to give them ample time to try to identify the threat actor so that they know with whom they're dealing and how to appropriately mitigate. But it raises an interesting ethical question. And that is, should we use honeypots or honey nets, or is that a method of entrapment? Does that violate rights? What are your thoughts on that, Robin? It's very difficult. Very, very difficult. The honeypots of today are effectively being used as mobile phone or landline phone tracing of the past. We sure. need somebody connected for long enough to establish a location for where they are. But right. It does blow the lines of entrapment. If you're providing the opportunity to do crime intentionally to others, then penalizing them for taking that opportunity, it leaves you in a very negative way. And I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the legal ramifications of this. Maybe it would be good in the future to get a legal perspective and bring a guest in to to see. And I'm sure we can easily find a few, either whilst we're in front of a judge or externally. Right. But... I would always say that a honeypot or a honey net is a good practice to have on your network just to catch the flies, just to catch the botnets, to catch the automations, to catch the internet scanners. Because through the use of a honeypot, you might be able to identify that you have a, I don't know, an RPF rule pointing to the world or an exposed port that you forgot to lock down. So if anything, the honeypot could be a microcosm of your actual network with a few intended doors left open. That's right. Don't see it as a way to entrap hackers. See it as right. a way to do practical penetration testing on your network with known flaws and vulnerabilities. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really interesting mm-hmm. viewpoint. And certainly we can look at it almost as the proverbial 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've got the script kiddies out there and they, they will salivate over a target like that. And maybe that literally cuts down the noise for blue teams that are, are looking to defend and certainly it's a, a way to gain some intel on how some of those lesser threat actors may be working. Certainly sophisticated, you know, APTs and so forth are going to identify, yeah, this is probably a honey net. And, and it, it furthermore could, um, could, could even stoke the fires, which is another consideration about honeypots and honey nets. Are you, are you, are you inflaming 
the threat actors to where they say, oh, okay, you're going to put this out there. Well, now I'm really going to get you, <laughs> uh, you know, sort of, sort of similar to what we were talking about with the ransomware, almost marking yourself out. Oh, these guys think they're slick. They've got a honeypot, right? So we're, we're going to go do the real deal for them. You know, I, I guess to kind of close up this Reddit discussion, what we really need to focus on is the fact that the way that this compromise initially happened was that the threat actors were able to fish the credentials from one employee. That's literally all it took, Robin, was fishing the credentials from one employee. How do you mitigate that? Well, you certainly can have a robust intrusion prevention system that has awareness of phishing attempts, that has awareness of domain reputations by which uh, the phishing can take place. But sometimes these threat actors will act, uh, you know, as, as some would say, AFK, away from the keyboard. It could be through voice. It could be through any number of social engineering techniques that are used. So you've got to remember the importance of good cyber awareness education that has mm -hmm. to be part and parcel for your organization. And then it certainly helps if on the back end, you have got a powerful threat analyst team, you've got a powerful data analyst team to look for anomalous behaviors, but you got to do that education. That is so very critical. And now Reddit finds themselves, as you say, in the proverbial lobster claw, and we'll see how this thing plays out. Indeed. But it's not just Reddit that are facing these problems, Bill. It's <laughs> credential theft and exploiting one single weak link in the chain is a yes. constant problem. I mean, if we have a look this year, kind of, let's kind of keep on this theme. But yeah. OpenAI, ChatGPT, all the other things, this yeah. has become super popular. And if you look at I don't know, Gartner Community Insights, if you look at, well, as you saw at InfoSec, if you look anywhere on the internet, you see that AI is now the important thing. Yeah. But AI, OpenAI, the ChatGPT folks, they've had big credential leaks as well. I mean, just looking yeah. at between June 22 and May 23, just a year, there's right. roughly 100,000 leaked credentials available on the dark, illicit underbelly that we call the dark web. Ooh. The dark web, yes. So these 100,000 credentials are on sale for 10 bucks. You can go and buy them right now. Yep. And if you were to start digging down into where those credentials have been leaked as well, you'll find that roughly 12,000 of them, 12,000 of them are allegedly from kind of India, just for one country. Oh, which right. shows that where nation-state attackers used to generally target Americas, that America was the, the big unintentional hollypot? Holly Honeypot. <laughs> now we're actually seeing that people are willingly trying to access more and more data or more and more generative AI around the sure. world. That's right. Now, on the case of the open AI leak, this, these credentials weren't just accidentally fallen somewhere. It wasn't accidentally leaked it was discovered by something called the information stealer logs. Are you familiar with information stealer logs? Oh my goodness, yes, of course. Yes. So these logs are up for sales on the thriving bazaars of the internet. And I'm not going to mention any of them right now, but if you're interested, you can find oh, them. Robin, it's, it's hard to drill down on it and more being developed all the time. Sure. Indeed, indeed. And it's fun keeping up. And it's when you discover a new site and you find that there's already a poster with like 40,000 contributions, you're like, oh, okay, how deep does the rabbit hole go? Oh, there's another one. Ah, oh, this, this has been away for 12 years. Ah, oh, here's another one. And it's always <laughs> one step forward. Right. So it, uh, sorry, it sounded like I picked on India. It wasn't just India. 
by the way. Uh, we, we've also seen it from like Pakistan, Brazil, Vietnam, Egypt, and US. Yeah, they're everywhere. Everybody's using ChatGPT. But if we were to look right now, what could you go online and what could you buy as of this morning, as of recording, for $2? Quite simply, I saw one post saying 36,000 uh, ChatGPT credentials, all available, usernames, passwords, and right. conversation history for $2. Two yeah. US dollars, which <laughs> is it's crazy. It's crazy. And the people on these forums believe that the majority of this information is has been acquired through the infamous Raccoon Info Stealer. Figured out. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. Raccoon. Yeah. So that's going back a little bit. It so, is, yeah. <laughs> yes, preliminary analysis shows that over the past year, around 78,000 credentials were stolen by the Raccoon Info Stealer. Mm. Coming in in second place, any guesses what might come in second place? As far as Info Stealers? Mm. Yes. No, tell me, Robin. What's, what's second place? The second one was Vidar. V I D A R. Oh, yeah. With a good old 13,000. And coming in third place on these info stealers was our jolly old friend, Redline. Only 7,000 with Redline. Thank now, you all back. of these info stealers are super dang easy to pick up. Any Kali Linux script kitty can install the, uh, the binary and get running with it. Yeah. But these tools gain so much popularity because they can hijack passwords, they can steal cookies, they can replicate the credit card info, and steal, heck, even cryptocurrency from machines through browser-based extensions. Now, with the OpenAI stuff, all of the logs that were compromised had information that was deemed sensitive in one way. Usernames, emails, passwords, all really sensitive. But this information is nefariously traded everywhere. So... Right. <laughs> One interesting thing is that info stealer outputs that you could have from phishing, you could have from social engineering. Sometimes they're sold as spreadsheets, but right. I'm seeing a huge in uptick, a really huge uptick in the amount of SaaS-based <laughs> subscription <laughs> models that these threat actors have. If you sure. give us 45 bucks a month, then each month or each week or each day, you'll have a fresh batch of stuff to play yeah, We'll with. send you 10,000 more, sure. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. And uh, I was uh, in a discussion yesterday with, uh, with a, a fellow cybersecurity practitioner, and he's seen that people are creating fake OnlyFans pages. Now, OnlyFans mm -hmm. is a way for connector for content creators to connect directly with their audiences, whether it be adult content or not adult content. Yeah, it's, it's a way. It's, it's like a Patreon, but uh, with a little less clothing. But uh, yeah, he's seen a, a huge, huge jump in the amount of fake OnlyFans pages created. And he's actually basing his um, post-honors post doctorate, his PhD, actually on this data. So yeah, he's seeing Dark Crystal Rats, he's seeing DC Rath, the remote access Trojans, being injected through a fake OnlyFans page to then trigger a credential stealer. So it's pretty wild how the the human urge of seeing some flesh or the yes. human urge of not having to remember a complex password yet sure. and yet again is causing big problems out there. And mm. it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it you know, I, I think of this back in, in the, the heyday when, you know, cracked serial numbers or, or banks of serial numbers, this was a similar thing that would be exchanged on bulletin board systems. I'm dating myself mm -hmm. there, Rob. Right, but it was to a much lesser degree. Like you said, it's almost become a SaaS model, and the danger is not only in terms of unauthorized access to 
some of these these cloud services like uh, like ChatGPT. But we mm-hmm. we now have a field ripe for harvesting credentials for credential stuffing, which means that this begins to ripple outward a whole yes. lot more. So uh, awareness of, of info stealers and understanding how the human creature can be manipulated into <laughs> pulling this payload and, and losing that information, uh, it, it, it certainly is important that we begin to identify that. I even start thinking about FIDO a little bit and some of the, the devices we have now that we can use for authentication and authorization that are hardware-based and, and mm-hmm. much less subject to theft. But I don't know. I, I just don't know if we're far enough along that that we can help mitigate the problem that we're facing right now. And you know, you mentioned Raccoon. I, I almost get nostalgic, right? Because they're they're so big and they've been around for so long and it's been so effective. And mm-hmm. and if you look at any of those, uh, we'll, we'll use the word darknet pages, you see that they're still very active. They're a regular. They've got a great reputation on the dark web. So yeah, we're we're going to continue to have this problem, and and it's it's still very much a human problem. It's the meat suit again, Robert. It is. If anything, I'd like to go back to the days where the big problem on the internet was crackers and C- uh, right. key gen um, creators. Yes. Right. Uh, <laughs> I remember reading some drama about the Denuvos key gen. So this is going back probably about oh, ten yeah. years now, sure. where there was really only three people who knew how to do it. There was. One guy who took like a Japanese role-playing game villain. There was uh, somebody else which was a incredibly terrible um, transphobe uh, who went by the alias of Fit Girl. And then a third person who just wanted to do Keygen remix music all the time. And it was right. just these three people. That was the entire Daniel Voss Keygen environment. But there was theatrics behind it. Now these right. days, the threat actor groups, they feel more corporate, big faceless oh, that's entities. That's so right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, we want these uh, rock stars to come back. You know, come and... Heck, if anything, the Joker from Batman, he was a good villain because it's all about the presentation, all about the theatrics. And Wayne Silver, you know, I, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's commercial now. It is, it is. And, you know, even though Silk Road, they offered a very positive customer experience. And a lot of customer success managers should pay attention to what Silk Road did. But (laughs) it's just yet another reminder of the commoditization and corporate capitalist changes of the world of data breaches. It's no longer about the individual trying to achieve a goal of curiosity. Now right. it's about a an entity trying to okay. exfiltrate as much money and cause as much disruption as possible. It's a business. That's it's right. a business. Yes, the next world war won't be fought in trenches. It'll be fought with bits and bites and ones and zeros. If I anything, see. we might already be at it. Uh, you know, I think we are already at it. Let's take a look at the UK, for example. But maybe we'll save that for the next time we talk. Indeed. Well, on that somber note, Bill, you stay safe out there. <laughs> it was fun yeah. chatting. Yeah, good talking to you as always. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.